What's up, Internet friends? I'm Kevin Garaventa, and welcome to another episode of the PlayStation Plus Game Club, a show where we pick one game from the PlayStation Plus Extra Library and break it down for your entertainment, information, and amusement. Today, we are talking about Maneater, a game about a shark that terrorizes the various neighborhoods of the fictional city of Port Clovis. But unlike movies like Jaws, Mega Shark, and Sharknado that inspired it, the protagonist of this game is the shark, and as it, you get to consume all manner of humans and animals that dare to venture near the water. With me today, returning, kind of funny best friend, Mr. Hawks himself, Robert Fitton. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. Get to talk, uh, get to shark, talk shark time. I love this <laughs> game. God, I love this game so much, you guys. I love Great. it so much. Great to have you back. I, I don't remember when Shark Week is on Discovery Channel, but this definitely feels like something you'd see on it. Uh, Shark and also, Week is, is every week in my heart. <laughs> and also joining me, another kind of funny best friend, Bert Crane. Welcome to the Game Club. Hey, thanks for having me on. This, uh, this has been a fun experience with this game because it is very, very interesting. <laughs> To say the least. So uh, you were the one who suggested we play this game. What what made you choose Maneater? Uh, so back when I got a PS5, I got it the month after Maneater was one of the PS Plus games. And I was like, ah, oh, I missed my chance. So then when it came back around, I was like, oh, this gives me a reason to play it. I've been wanting to play it. I thought it looked interesting. And so, yeah. Nice, nice. And yeah, it, it showed up on the, the extra list, and I was like, oh man, I never really did jump into that. I, I should try it. Uh, and it, it really is a lot of fun, and it's sort of like mindless fun uh, for you to just like sit there and, and laugh at as you, you bite through this, uh, this population. But uh, before we start chewing through Maneater, is there anything you would like to plug or promote? Uh, no, not really. I just am... Um enjoying life playing games um i don't really stream at all but yeah okay okay and uh what about you robert is there anything you are working on right now um i'm just working on uh getting my twitch stream back up and running i uh, had a had a couple of months off for the holidays um, and lately i've been kind of addicted to a few games so once once that's clear i'll be twitch or i'll be streaming over on twitch.com slash mr hawks 182 Okay. One thing that my my wife asked me to mention on here is the food blog that we both work on uh, called sandwichpdx.com. That's sandwichpdx.com, where we uh, ride around Portland and look for interesting sandwiches that are made uh, exclusively by uh, Oregon-owned companies and, and small businesses. So it's it's been a fun project that we've been running for a couple of years. It's a uh, a nice diversion to, to get us out of the house and uh, get us exploring different pockets of Portland. But this is also a new project. And if you want to be part of an episode of the PlayStation Plus Game Club, just like Bert and Robert here, you can send us an email at psplusgameclub at gmail.com with suggestions or thoughts you have on our monthly featured game or requests for us to play a certain game. And speaking of that, the game we picked to play is again, Maneater. First question I have for you, both Bert and Robert. What did you name your shark? Ooh. I mean, you could go with the classic Jaws. 
you know, like the the titular character in the movie Jaws. That was his name. Yeah. Um, don't don't watch it to you know learn if that's right. Um, I don't even know. I don't. I honestly, when I when I jumped into the game, I was so focused on eating humans <laughs> that like my my humanity was gone and names meant nothing. You know, <laughs> they were I named all... the people that I ate. Most of them were named Eric. I don't know why, but I had a bunch of Eric's and a bunch of Elizabeths. So Shark though, Shark doesn't need no name. That's hilarious, yeah. <laughs> Bert, did you did you think of any names that you would have named the shark? The game didn't have you name it, but I think that would have been a a nice interesting touch to it where it's just like, oh, this is, you know, Tinkerbell. That was that was the one that I named mine, so Toothamy Oliphant. That's what I thought would be a good oh name. Oh my god. Ah, damn, that is awesome. <laughs> That's it. Okay, you get the prize. All right. Uh, and, and then, like halfway through the game, I thought to myself, "Well, you know, Tinkerbell is funny, but there's a song by Hall and Oates called Sarah Smile, and that makes a little more sense." That was the one thing that I did do. I actually listened to the Hall and Oates Man Eater song a couple of times while <laughs> playing this game, just out of <laughs> like it fun. Was it like the uh, like Pink Floyd Wizard of Oz thing that it just like sync up perfectly? I definitely would eat a man right when they would call me a man eater. So yeah, good. You could Perfect. you could surface and then the the lyrics kick up. Whoa, here she comes, and you know th- that would really just get me going. I think I I think it's a missed opportunity that they didn't actually feature the song, but I guess maybe they couldn't get the rights to it or it was too expensive. Uh, I, Look, I I think all notes is... charge out the ass for yeah. any of their music okay oh, yeah. as someone who's tried to uh to 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 get the rights to a song by hollow notes for no reason i just wanted it very expensive they would not let me have it <laughs> i was also asking them about hello by lionel richie so i don't think they really had any any stance on that so uh, that that might that may have been me of course yeah uh but I, like this show like this this game does feel like a show which is great. It feels like the kind of it feels like the kind of show that you would see, uh, you know, on on cable TV while you're at the gym running on the treadmill, and you know you don't have any audio for it, but you just sit there and watch some guy fish for sharks out in Louisiana. And that's really like one of the the stars of it is the um, the narrator, you know, uh, he's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, so it's. Uh, I mean, I have to look this back up, but it is Chris Parnell, Chris, it, former it is Chris SNL. Parnell. Yeah, Chris Parnell yeah. from SNL uh, voicing the character of Trip Westhaven, who is the narrator of this this show called Maneater that uh, is airing on every Sunday night at 10, 9 central. Uh, I, I love at the beginning and end of every cutscene they have, they have that small tag down in the lower right hand corner saying like Maneater. Sundays, ten nine central. So uh, that that added to the atmosphere of this being the like the bad deadliest catch style kind of reality show that's on cable. And the at every time like I, I booted up the game, they had that opening soundtrack playing that they play at the very beginning of the game that just made me laugh again as I started the game. So. Uh, the whole the whole style and presentation of the game really brought a smile to my my face. This 
season on Maneater. Everyone's biting off more than they can chew. will be discovered. The food chain will be disrupted. And the drama will get deadly. Because down here, things always evolve. The hunter becomes the hunted. That's the one who took my hand, all right. Get yourself ready, boy. Maneater. Eat the people, save the world. Oh, the presentation of this game is just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, the kind of because it starts off starts off as you're you're kind of the the adult shark. Um, and then you get caught, and it's kind of the part of that that whole TV show in the game. And I just saw the framing of everything with the, uh, you know, like the the beginning of the episodes and like the end of a chapter when you get to a certain point, then it's, you know, the end of that episode and it kind of goes into the next one. I just thought that was that was a great way to frame a game where your main character doesn't talk. You know, like there's a lot of games have a silent protagonist, but I mean, there's a shark not doing any sort of soliloquies or anything like that. Like it's just, your main character does not talk, so you need something to tell the story. And I loved the framing of everything. And I loved uh, just while you're out in the world doing things, Chris Parnell, you know, Trip, Trip Westhaven will just pop in with, you know, just little shark facts or just kind of little, little things here and there to kind of just make you feel like, yeah, I'm still watching that show and they're just following this one shark. So I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. It, it does a good job of um, being both funny and times informative and having like a good sort of like ecological message about it too it's weird in that way yeah yeah so let's let's talk a little bit about like it being informative like i didn't realize how like e even though it does have like this slapstick style of humor i didn't realize how much based in fact it is uh i i thought it was very ridiculous at the very start uh, talking again about the opening of that where you you're playing as this giant shark that gets caught by scaly pete and then it has a cut scene after the opening credits of the show man eater play where he takes the dead shark back to the swamp and cuts it open and pulls out the baby shark that it was pregnant with i thought to myself you know sharks don't get pregnant that's stupid come on but then i googled it hey, they do they like do birds. <laughs> they actually do get pregnant. Bull sharks travel far upriver in some places to give birth in fresh water, like in the Mississippi River. I I was like, well, you got me. I will believe a lot more that happens in this game from now on out. So um, I did the same thing with uh, alligators that, that you end up fighting. Alligators actually can tail whip, and it is uh, a pretty hefty injury if, if you end up getting tail whipped by an alligator in real life. So, uh, you know, like there is some science behind this this ridiculous game, but, uh, you know, the the presentation of this is perfect. I thought, uh, you know, as far as gameplay goes, I felt like this is almost like Goat Simulator 
Uh, if you've ever heard of that, it is, it looks like just a joke of a game that someone made uh, that just asks you to go around and mess a bunch of shit up. Uh, in this game, it feels like a little bit more controlled and a little more thought went into it, but it doesn't lack that sense of humor in creating chaos. Uh, and it, it does feel a little bit strange to play at first, like controlling the shark is kind of hard and you really have to get used to it. Yeah, I, that was, so I, I, I sort of bounced off it right at first. And that's part of why is I think the controls take a little bit of getting used to. And, um, like I would, I would kill to have just a button to hold, to go down and a button to hold, to go up. You have a button that you hit to like swim down for a second you know, to like dive. Yeah. But I'd like to just be able to control my altitude, if you will, much easier. The thing that really made the control sort of click for me was I was, I was fighting a crocodile or an alligator, sorry. And I realized, you know, I'm just trying to attack, attack, and I'm trying to be like the shark. And I'm like, wait a minute. If I sort of do this, like a fighting game almost, you know, just like holding back and countering and like, you know, doing stuff like you would do in a fighting game, I think it feels a lot better in like the tougher fights and the bigger fights when you do that, you know? And then by the end, you can just chomp, chomp, chomp. But like in the early parts, it really did feel like a, like a fighting game. Yeah. 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 Especially like when I, I figured out you could lock on to the one animal you're trying to fight. It would be a little bit easier, but uh, the first fight against your apex predator was really difficult so uh robert do you have any general thoughts about the the control and, and gameplay style um i mean i i was a fan of the control style once i got used to it it definitely is something that takes used to like like getting used to um but i think one of the one of the things that helps with it is you get these kind of like the shark powers as you go on and you get you know stronger and stronger and it seems like when you get certain powers and certain moves, then you have to use more buttons on the on the controller. So it was kind of easing you into it a little bit at the yeah. beginning, um, which was very helpful. But I know like at the close to the end of the game, you know, with you're doing the last few like the last couple of uh, of Apex fights, and then specifically the fights against all of the the uh, what are what are they called the the hunters, you know, up until Scaly Pete. Um, some of those fights got brutal with I, my, I remember my hands literally hurting cause I'm, I'm <laughs> holding down one button. I'm holding this down to, to, to swim left. And then I'm pressing this button to do like the spins and I'm pressing a to jump. And then while I'm jumping, I'm doing other spins to, you know, avoid attacks and waiting for, you know, like you said, like the fighting game kind of waiting for my end to get in there, do some damage and then kind of, you know, swim back around But the entire time. You've got all these enemies chasing you and shooting at you, so you're just constantly on the move. And once I got once I got the hang of that, oh, it felt so good to just be able to to get out of out of fights and to kind of kind of you know go in and out and eat. You know, you've got the diver, so you can eat that guy. But then if you eat that guy and you're there for too long, then you're gonna get shot by this guy. So you gotta go and you gotta take take bites. It was hectic, but rewarding. And you're you're. Uh, you saying, you know, like the, the idea about Goat Simulator. It's as like this is like if Goat Simulator was a real game. No offense to Goat Simulator, it's fun as hell, but it's so it's just so over the top broken. And that's the point of it. If that was made into, you know, like a game that, that 
was really polished, it'd be Maneater. Exactly, exactly. And it does it does feel like this game, like the developers saw this game or saw Goat Simulator and said, let's make something just a little bit more serious. Let's still have some fun with it, but let's let's refine everything just a little bit so it doesn't feel like uh, you're you're breaking everything. You're just you know causing havoc and and uh, you know having some fun with with their sense of humor. So. Uh, and, and then like Chris Parnell chiming in every time you do something is it makes it even funnier to, to just sit there and watch. So, uh, you know, but but we we had said that, like, you start out in the swamps of Louisiana. Uh, the geography of this game, I thought, like or the map in this game was uh, kind of, in a sense, pretty straightforward. Uh, if you could imagine like it it's laid out in kind of like a three by three grid and uh, you start out in the, the Northeast and uh, you know that there's like a neighborhood in each of those squares. And then the bottom row of those, those three squares are just the Gulf and that's, that's deeper water, but you start out in the Louisiana swamplands called Fawtick Bayou Every time I read that title, I kept reading it as Fatwick Bayou. Uh, but like you, you start out there and you're just trying to avoid alligators and eat a few fish. Um, and then the game shuttles you off to another neighborhood and you you break through the grate of uh, one of their, their like sewer drainage runoff uh, pipes. And first of all, every time you break through a grate, the game plays this audio sting that is perfectly engineered, and it feels like it's pulled right from one of the shark movies. That uh, that that makes me feel like I just did something that the characters in the movie didn't think the shark was gonna do, and you know it it, it is perfectly timed for you to to do this right after they would say, "Oh, the sharks can't break through this grate," and then you break through it, and they play the audio sting. And I'm going to insert it into the show here. But when you hear it every time, I I just get this feeling like, oh, here I go. I'm going to go really fuck some shit up. Uh, here the- I go kill it again. It's like they were going for that moment in Jurassic Park when the raptor opens the door and the the music kicks up, except this time it's with a shark and they nailed it perfectly. Uh, you know, we're going to we're going to go through each of these neighborhoods rapid fired because that gives you an idea of the progression of the game. But uh, do you have any thoughts, Bert, about Fawtick Bayou? Uh, it's really tight. It was really small. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was the opening one and you were the smallest you were. I mean, alligators ate me so much at the start of this game before I got, got the hang of it. But so I, I kind of hate alligators now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the, the like collapsed gator show area was cool and like super atmospheric. And I remember like going to do that apex fight against Rosie and, you know, she's like, like, clearly like was a a uh um the star of it and like they like i don't know if you noticed but i'm pretty sure she didn't have like her her legs and feet 
Like it was like they had, they'd cut them off for the show so they could like control her better or something. Well, that's, and I was like, oh, yeah, that that's interesting though because I think she did at the beginning, and this happens whenever you fight something, you can actually eat the limbs off of uh, other animals as you're fighting them. So you'll you'll notice like when you've when you're fighting like uh, a mako shark, it loses its fins the the closer it gets to being killed. Um, oh and 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 like the same with alligators so like that that is something that i thought was fucking brutal yeah and great (laughs) yeah i did not i did not realize that that's intense yeah yeah so so that's pretty crazy um yeah by the the end of some of the fights like they're clearly you know they they have like no fins no nothing and then they're just trying to kind of wiggle their way as to do like damage to you and it's yeah or so, that's or, you're just kind of you're literally just like circling it and you're just taking bites out of it taking chunks out of it until it's dead yeah yeah and i noticed that with the orca because it got it was all cut up on the side and i was like oh they take battle damage but i didn't think about that with the alligator yeah and sometimes they just ignore that battle damage that they've taken so you know they'll still come at you really fast even though they don't have any arms and legs anymore uh and and you know or or fins sometimes but uh still it is it, it is interesting to see that that there is a progression to uh, the amount of damage that you're doing. So that that was pretty cool. Uh, and I also loved how every once in a while during these apex predator fights, they stage them in a place that looks like they should be there, like the the alligator show area. Uh, I, I thought that was that was great. There's another one later on where you fight an orca whale in what looks like should be a SeaWorld arena. And it, I thought, like, this is perfect. Okay. Um, but anyways, you, you make your way out of the bayou into Dead Horse Lake. Uh, and this is where I fought my first Apex Predator. Uh, there was a Barracuda that you have to fight. And this, I still didn't have a hang of the controls. But uh, I, I end up fighting the, the Barracuda while I'm getting shot at by another hunter target that is a boat that, that is drifting around the, the fighting area. So there were some points that, and, and this particular instance uh, like points out to me that there are some parts of this game where it doesn't really seem like they fully thought through the engineering of uh, how you're going to, to fight like animals or how you're going to have encounters with uh, with boats. So, you know, they, they, they just kind of have you fight these giant things out there in the open environment and anything else can come about and attack you. And it doesn't care whether or not you're busy with somebody else. Yeah, and I, I liked that a lot because it, it wasn't just like a, like some of the fights were you're kind of on your own, like the, the orca whale in the giant tank, you know, you're in there with just the whale. So you're kind of going around it and fighting, and I cheese the hell out of that fight, but you know whatever. But I liked being out in the open and having to watch out, you know, for while I'm fighting this one thing, there might be a hunter there, and if I do too much damage to a human or something, because you can run and you can take a human to to kind of get your health back. Okay, then I've got to worry about the 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 hunter while I'm fighting this other thing. Yeah. And it definitely adds more tension to the game. But I I was a fan of that. Yeah, that that was a an interesting wrinkle that uh, I had to learn how to deal with uh, eventually. But at the beginning, it was just kind of it felt so unfair because <laughs> I was just like, well, 
I got to come back to you later because I'm being bugged by this boat right now, and I I can't deal with both of you at the same time. Yeah, that was the the way that that works was like that was one of those moments that clicked for me with this game was I was in the sewers, um, right around Dead Horse Lake, um, and there was like a big cistern that I was in and it had two alligators and alligators have been the bane of my existence the whole time. Right. And I am dodging and weaving and, and, you know, biting. And I ultimately took both of them down by like focusing one and like dodging the other one. And that was one of those moments where it clicked with me of just, Oh, this is, this is the fun of the game. Just like surviving and being scared and being right on that edge. And then feeling like you overcame something that you couldn't have overcame before. Yeah, yeah. Those moments where I was facing those alligators in the cistern, I felt like it, it was it was like the game was trying to get me to play it like Dark Souls, where uh, they said, like, you need to go eat 10 of these fish. But there are alligators swimming around the cistern, too. So you have to just figure out a way to avoid them and eat the fish. And then, you know, once you're done, swim away and, uh, you know, just come back and deal with them later when you you're a lot bigger. Oh yeah, no, I just, I just, <laughs> the first time I went there, I like fought them for like, maybe like half an hour to 45 minutes. And like, if I would get low, I would eat a couple of those fish and then get back into the fight. And like, it was, it was one of those palm sweaty sort of moments, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So anyway, you, you, you finish up your, your fights with alligators and the Barracuda, Apex, Predator, uh, move on to Golden Shores. At this point, I kind of felt like the game was getting kind of repetitive and uh, a little bit boring. And that's where Chris Parnell's lines started to get to me as as like the, they, they start to get a little bit funnier and a lot more enjoyable. And I realized like I should probably just I, I should sit back and enjoy uh, his jokes and not have like a podcast running or something and ignore everything that's happening here. It made the game so much more enjoyable to go through having him comment on every single thing. And most of the time he doesn't repeat stuff. So it is all really funny. Yeah. I only heard, I want to say a couple of repeat lines, mm -hmm. um, but nothing, nothing kind of major. Just, you know, you load into an area and you might hear the same thing a couple times, but yeah, there's, a lot of dialogue that that he recorded yeah that, that kept the game fresh yeah Fort Clovis considered removing these naval mines after the war but the city had already spent its annual budget booking a nickelback cover band for the 4th of July going through golden shores like it is supposed to be like the rich part of the 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 city that, that you're terrorizing and there is just so much garbage in the water. It's hilarious to see the contrast between how nice everything looks up above the surface and then down below in the in the water there is just uh like so much shit everywhere. It, it's it's crazy. Um but at that point I did feel like this is starting to feel samey, you know, I'm I'm making my way around the the map and I also noticed that the game as a structure doesn't really shuttle you across this map. Like it, it doesn't ask you to visit places along, like uh, along this giant open area and explore it. It just kind of says, go to point a and B and C it's not like in far cry where 
at some point they have you travel all the way across an island and that forces you to explore the entire island. Uh, you know, they, they don't put an objective really far away for you to um, meander over to and, and find other things as you go. Uh, so I, I did think it kind of failed there as an open world kind of game, but instead it just sort of says you go to the next adjacent area and that's it. Uh, only at one point did I see some some other objective marker pop up back in Fatik Bayou and I just fast traveled back over there and started to clean up all of the the alligators that I was now bigger than and could just devour uh in in a, in a few minutes. So uh at that, the, yeah, go that, ahead. That that was a that was a good feeling going back and and the first time that you can um you know grasp an alligator in your jaws and like shake it to death and it was like <laughs> you used to be big and now I'm big but yeah no I, I definitely understand what you're saying I think I spent the least amount of time in the sh- golden sands area yeah. like of all of it yeah uh but like at this point though I I was starting to feel like you know this I'm still having fun doing this kind of like collectathon kind of thing and uh, then you move on to Sapphire Bay, and that's where the water starts to get a little bit deeper. And that it gives it a little more variety, which I think is what the game really needed, because then there's there's this other element of, you know, you go down into deep water and, you know, there's uh, it does feel like there's going to be larger predators in here, especially when you start to go into like these giant caves that that are underneath some of the the large islands and i started to think to myself is there something really huge in here and i i started to kind of get on edge a little bit scared and then i realized no there's there's really nothing bigger than me in here this isn't subnautica um you know th- this is something where i am the biggest thing in the area and i don't need to worry about anything else thankfully i didn't go out into the gulf where there are like sperm whales but uh you know in in that area it did feel like at this point I was ahead of what the game was intending the progression to be. That, yeah. When I first went into the Bay, you know, I was like, well, this is, this is what a shark dreams about. You know what I mean? The deep blue sea. And it, (laughs) that really made, made it, it, it was almost awe that I got from actually entering the deeper water. That was probably my favorite moment is going from, because you're, the three things you have before you're very as they're very smaller and they're very sort of constricting it feels but when you enter like the the real ocean it feels great and it's it's it was a good moment yeah yeah cuz it just sort of uh like suddenly opens up and it's 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 almost like you get blasted out into the the deep water which which feels great uh and then after like a, a few few more objectives i hit level 20 and there is an icon down in the bottom right corner that says, go fight Scaly Pete. And I thought, well, wait a second. Where, where is he? <laughs> and and I left it there for about an hour as I did other stuff and, and went after other objectives. And again, I felt like I was really ahead of the curve for what the game intended. But going going over to eventually like wrapping up the objectives in Sapphire Bay, Scaly Pete does show up. Uh, because he shows up at the end of every time you clear all the objectives in an area, but it just plays a cutscene. This time, though, you actually do get to fight him. 
and the cutscene that plays right before you fight him, he says that his dad was eaten by a mega shark or like a mega megalodon. And I thought to myself, oh, that's cool. So we're going to eat Scaly Pete now. And then the final fight of the game is going to be a megalodon. And that's that's going to be like a really cool fight that I was looking forward to. But no, Scaly Pete just uh, fights you and his boat gets destroyed. His son gets killed, who was on the boat. And then he gets injured and, you know, is now having like a double vendetta for this shark who has eaten not just his arm, but uh, now he's lost a leg and a son and his boat. And he's he's really got it out for you as a shark. Yeah, the the period in between this and the end of the game, I was like, I feel kind of bad for Scaly Pete. Like, I really hated him. But like, I'm like, he doesn't necessarily deserve to lose all this. Right. Like, I feel kind of bad. And, you know, maybe maybe it was just the fact that, like, I just became like a father this last year. And I was like, I would I would be very upset if I had a relationship like that with my son. And then to get killed by a shark, that sucks. And so I started to feel bad for Scaly Pete. Uh, and then sympathy for Scaly Pete <laughs> the entire time. I mean, the only reason his son died is because of him. Yeah. You know, yeah. if he, if he would have just like, he'd have been like, you know what, maybe we're not ready to, to fight the shark or even listen to his son for a minute to do kind of anything else. Yeah. He, he put, he put himself in danger and then, you know, he killed his son. Let's be honest. The explosion happened because of him. Oh yeah. Um, the very beginning of the game, like the first thing you really see of Scaly Pete is he, he like strings up a shark, cuts out the baby from the womb, and just throws it in the water and says, eh, "You deal with it." Like, come on, that's karma. He also like you know puts a cut on the baby and then says, "I'll yeah. recognize her when I run into her again." And it's like you were asking for it, man. You really are. Also, the his accent is so thick that when I first started the game, I couldn't understand him, and I immediately backed out of the game and said, "I need to turn subtitles on because I can't. I I don't know what you're saying, man." And so I, I, I think that like he was a cartoon character that had it coming. Meanwhile, aboard the Cajun Queen, Pierre LeBlanc, known by his fellow anglers as Scaly Pete. Daddy hunted sharks. I hunt sharks. It's in the blood. There was somebody better at this. You'd be following them, yeah. Oh, people. We got a lot of wrong ideas about sharks. Scientists say we gotta coexist. Now, how you gonna coexist with a shark? Huh? Shark just wanna do one thing. That's kill you, eat you, and you out. What I do, I consider a sacred honor. Kill them all if I could. Too bad, eh? but 24 hours to a day. I, I was hoping that he would go down in this fight, but he does end up being like the final fight at the end of the game. Uh, and in this particular fight, like the mid, the mid game fight, his boat just, it went over in like a matter of minutes for me. So I did totally feel overpowered. It may have been because I was using a lot of uh, the, the bone upgrades that felt like you were like when you breach the water and are able to land on top of a boat, it's like landing a granite slab on a boat and it just, sinks it right away uh that that's what it felt like i was i was doing with this particular uh this particular fight and it really just overpowered my shark see yeah. i feel like that was part of the design though 
yes yeah. like with this specific fight is that the entire game you're seeing scaly pete you know he's like i've i've done everything i've killed any shark that's come across me i'm i'm you know i'm unstoppable and he doesn't really do anything to get ready for you know you as a shark even though you've seen him a couple times like he doesn't get ready for you he's looking for you but he's like yeah we'll deal with it when we get to it he's just he's so caught up in like you know like like the like hubris like he doesn't believe that he's got anything to worry about so he does nothing to to you know get ready for it yeah so yeah. when you then go fight it at level 20 and you've got the bone armor and everything yeah you shred through a ship because he's not he's done nothing to pre- prepare for anything besides you know the same thing he's done every time yeah so he... i don't know if it was necessarily you being overpowered or a combination of you you know being a bit overpowered mm. and him you know his character just not being prepared well, he, he definitely, he's like throwing like grenades and stuff, or like TNT into the water. And I didn't have the bone armor. I went like all bioelectric um, to start. So I would just, you would just grab it and throw it at him. And you threw like two of them. And I know it's like a classic sort of boss thing where they throw out the thing that you kill him with. But yeah, he was, it was very easy to just hit him with those a couple of times. And that blew up his ship so easy. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, you, after that, you move on to Prosperity Sands, and then uh, I, I felt like that area was, it felt just more, like, more of the same of Golden Shores and Dead Horse Lake. Like, it was just a shallow area that had more people to eat. Uh, and then after that was Caviar Key. Uh, again, shallow area, more people to eat, but this one has, like, a sewer system that you can swim through that is is a huge network of air, of tubes. And then the apex predator in that that's where the like the, the orca <laughs> at the end of that the apex predator is where you fight the orca whale in the sea world tank and that fight made me laugh really hard just because of where it was and you're you're like swimming around a bunch of these um like the the chained balls that you know they can play with and then somehow a few small fish have made it in there for you to eat as like a health uh health boost but this was, I think, the first Apex Predator fight where I was really on edge since the Barracuda. Like, this one uh, was one of the first times that I felt like, oh, I'm not sure if I can actually beat this thing. But you really have to figure out how to dodge. The the poison set that you're able to use is fantastic and, uh, and great. Uh, what did you, either one of you think about... Uh, the fights up to now fights up to now um for the most part it was just kind of like with the with the alligator you know you, i tried it a couple times and just got killed so yeah. i was like well let me go and level up and kind of make you know get my shark to be bigger and then go in there and, and take out the alligator but for the orca oh my god that that thing wrecked me multiple times and i couldn't really get stronger or like that much bigger before the fight um as i remember it and I just, that one was very nervy, you know, like that was the thing where you're going through and you, you, you take a couple chomps to take damage and then I'm swimming away while it's following me. And then you wait for it to, to roar up, to do a move. And then you duck out of the way and, you know, just kind of going back and forth and back and forth. That's what I did the first time I played it. Second time I cheesed the hell out of it. I jumped up on land, you know, on like the, the stage area waited for it to follow me and then jumped back in the water and just let it die on land. Oh no. Was... <laughs> yeah. Oh man. 
you monster. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did either of it you was use? <laughs> did Did either of you use the the bioelectric stuff? I really didn't. I I mostly used the the vampire or the the shadow the shadow set, which you know it lets you poison fish when uh, when you dodge, and then they swim through a cloud, and that was one of the best things that I used. Uh, also, you can you can poison them when you take a bite out of them, so uh, you know that that way it it makes up for for a health loss if you end up uh, you know biting them. You also drain some of their health into you. Which really helped, and then the rock set I used mostly for uh, fighting boats, and that set, uh, you know, you, you get like it, it's not called the rock set; it's called the bone set. But that set, uh, it looks like you you just get covered in rocks, and then um, you know you just hit a lot harder, and it's especially good against boats, and and I liked using that, but like I never really could get the hang of using the the electric set so uh you know what 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 made it so good um well so maybe it's just i i did a thing where i first of all i didn't realize you could upgrade your stuff until after the mako fight so the alligator the barracuda and the mako fight all were so hard like i couldn't do anything and i had to try and try and just eke it out and then i uh was fighting the the boats because I had the bone some of the bone set and that wasn't too bad with the bone mm-hmm. set and that unlocked a bunch of the the bioelectric set and then that's when I realized you could upgrade stuff yeah so when I went into the Mako fight everything was gold because I only upgraded the bioelectric set because when you have like three or four pieces of it it stuns them right and you have you basically have like a short range, like almost teleport when you activate its ability. So with the, with the Orca, I would dodge and it puts a little electric ring and it would hit that. And then I would bite it like once or twice and it would go belly up for like a little bit. And I would just sit there biting at it. And then when I activated the ability, you know, every time I lunged at it, I would do almost, I would turn into like a ball of electricity and just hit it. And then it would go belly up and I would just hit it and hit it and hit it. So, I had really no problem with the Orca because he just was constantly stunned and I was just biting at him while he was stunned. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you could totally cheese that and, and I really missed out on using that particular ability. I'm trying to... I'm pretty sure I, I also swapped between the Bone set when I was going after a human enemy and the Shadow set when I was going after like another fish for like specifically that whole set for like the health regen on bites and everything and just kind of everything the the more of the set that you have equipped you get little perks just you know you've got five pieces you get more than if you have three pieces and then some other stuff yeah but you can you can mix and match but i typically always just went with a full set for whatever i was doing yeah because those those stacked perks were great to use against whatever you were fighting and and they really make up for uh you know the incentive to kind of mix and match like you know the the bone tail whip was really good, but you know the amount of poison that you can stack on uh, on an enemy is is even better. So that's what made some of those apex fights like uh, really good, and it didn't really incentivize me to try and, and and like create a very custom build. It was just like, oh, I'm gonna choose between either a bone shark or the shadow shark, which looks like a cyber shark, by the way. Uh, 
it's totally ridiculous once you you upgrade it all the way. Uh, but that's cool. Yeah, it it really didn't uh, feel like they they were kind they were incentivizing me to try out different stuff and and like mix and match all the the abilities. Moving on, you wrap up stuff in uh, in caviar key, move out to the Gulf, and this is where the apex predator in the Gulf is not just a sperm whale because the apparently there are sperm whales and hammerhead sharks in this city. Uh, but Moby Dick is, is the apex predator. And I like, as soon as he popped up on screen, I laughed really hard because I thought this is hilarious. This is perfect. And uh, like it, it is an albino sperm whale that is wrapped in, was it like barbed wire or just some sort of uh, like some sort of cabling that yeah. was was left over from like a shipwreck? And, you know, he had definitely taken it down. And now, like, you have to fight him. Uh, this game is loaded with pop culture references. And some of the best are in the Gulf area. But that fight against, you know, the, the apex predator sperm whale was great and it, it made me laugh so hard yeah it, that was that area was like because at that point you can just eat hammerheads you know what i mean yeah so like that was um you were talking earlier about like when the boat was chasing you with the barracuda that was the one time that i felt that was that um you're supposed to clear out hammerheads and it got to a thing where they were just following you and there was just a clump of hammerheads to just like chew on but the that the sperm whale fight was definitely the most epic fight and like he's got like a bunch of harpoons sticking out of him and stuff and it was it was quite enjoyable okay yeah, so firm whale fight was that was that was another one that was pretty intense but that was a really fun one that was that was less intense than the orca for sure um but kind of going back to what you said about depending on where you're fighting things will attack you i remember fighting the sperm whale for the first time and i think i I'd, I'd somehow gotten into the radius of an orca whale so then while i'm trying to fight the, the apex sperm whale the orca is also attacking me and those things can do crazy damage so then you're fighting these two almost like you know mini boss characters at once and it was really intense but really satisfying when i uh when i won yeah yeah that was a moment where that fight started and the you know when you're when you're little with the alligators and with like the makos and stuff they'll grab you and they'll start shaking you and you got to escape and i had been big enough that i was like well the orca can't do that to me the even the great whites at this point can't do that to me but the sperm the first thing the sperm whale did was just hit me and start shaking me i was like oh shit this is <laughs> this is different the same thing happened to me robert that we're like i i started that fight and then a, a, an orca whale started to join in the fight and attack me as well and i i got a little frustrated and then out in the distance i could see another orca whale swimming by and i thought like well shit i need to get away from this area because i'm getting his attention too in a minute and that goes back to the the idea that like the like having these fights out in the open just kind of it, it allows crazy stuff to happen that probably the developers weren't even intending but it makes the fights you know they can either be more frustrating or more exhilarating because you can't believe that you actually were able to take down this giant thing while something else was trying to kill you at the same time. 
and, and that's that's one thing that I started to really love about this. Didn't like I found it hard at, at the beginning, but uh, like after a while, I was kind of like, okay, well, I I can figure this out, uh, and, and somehow like find a way to damage the right enemy and avoid the other one a lot like in dark souls again that's what i I loved about this and then right after you finish that apex fight you get to fight scaly pete again and for some reason he's poisoned uh sapphire bay like i i don't understand why he he like poisoned it and then was that to just like keep you out of that area while he set up the the boss fight that's that's how i took it is that he he poisoned it to kind of keep you out of there to yeah. kind of block that area off for that portion of the game. Um, I just, I don't know what the EPA would think about that. <laughs> I know that they've got their hands busy with ghosts in New York, but still, I mean, one individual just poisoning an entire bay for one shark. There's plenty of other wildlife in that water that he's killing. Yeah. Why yeah. do I have to take care of Scaly Pete? Is he the president? <laughs> yeah, this is when they, this is when they pulled it back from having any sympathy for him. Right, like after after the sun died and he starts to go crazy, I felt bad. But once he does this, I'm like, okay, you're now irredeemable, and we have to kill you. <laughs> yeah. And in the cutscene, his his cameraman for the show Man Eater is at, saying like, "Are you sure we should be doing this?" And he's just like, "I don't care. I'm we're getting this shark." So somehow, like for some reason, he poisons Sapphire Bay, and that locks you out of it. While you cl- you you know go through all these other areas and finish up the l- leftover objectives that you've had, and then that's you know eventually you you've completed them and you come back and you fight Scaly Pete in Sapphire Bay, and he's created this net that keeps you in there and you can't escape from. And Bert, you said that you just beat him like right before we started recording, so this yeah. is pretty fresh in your mind, like. This fight was, I think, the hardest one in the game for me. And there were certain things that the game doesn't tell you that you can do, but like he starts throwing torpedoes out at you. And like this is, I think, the first time that I had a fight that involved like torpedoes coming after the shark. And like if you dodge out of the, the, the way of the torpedo after, at the last second, it like stuns the torpedo. You can grab the torpedo and throw it at the boat. Didn't realize you could do that until uh, like after I finished the fight. But like there how, was some... How did you do the fight without the, using the torpedoes? So I ended up uh, like, first of all, if you can imagine that the boat itself has uh, two electric bubble generators on the underside. So if you get within a certain range of these uh, these generators, if you, if you get inside that bubble, you start to take electrical damage. Uh, and then you have to tail whip them or destroy them somehow to, you know, dis- like disable them. Uh, so what I would end up doing is I would swim towards the boat, try and damage those generators or eventually start damaging the hull itself. And then, you know, activate the, the, the bone ability and do double damage to the boat. Uh, and then uh, once I hit like 33% health, I would swim away down to the, the ocean floor and start eating things to get my health back up, do some damage, and then run and hide from these torpedoes. It was really frustrating. So that this particular fight, if you don't know that you can 
grab torpedoes when they've been stunned and throw them at the boat, it's a lot harder. I think that's yeah. why I felt like this was the hardest fight in the game. Yeah, I like when I did it, I went right for him and tried to attack him, lost half my health to the electric things and was like, well, I'm never going close to those again. So when when the torpedo would flash yellow, like when you can grab a grab a enemy like a predator, you know, I was like, oh, you grab them. That's how you get rid. Of, I just thought it was that's how you get rid of the electric things, so you could do stuff. But once you destroy the electric things with them, um, we'll knock them out. They come back online, right? Yeah. But uh, then he keeps going, and you can just start throwing more torpedoes at him. And so, <laughs> I I loved the throwing mechanic. Like when I was fighting the regular hunters, like I would constantly be grabbing people and throwing people at people to knock them off the boat, and then eat eat them after I knock them off the boat and stuff. But yeah, the the torpedoes were really really important for yeah. me beating it. Yeah, Robert, do you have any mm-hmm. uh, any thoughts about the final fight? That fight, I remember the first time that I did it. I think I did what 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 you did, Kevin, where I just kind of I was like, I'll just I need to tank this damage to get rid of these generators, and I got lucky that I was able to like kind of get right in there and I took the generator out with just a couple of bites, you know, just a few, I was able to get boom, boom, boom. It took the one out and then yeah, I went and healed and, and, and continued the fight. Um, but once the generators were gone, it was just like any other fight, honestly, just bone, bone armor, jump up on and just kind of go crazy while you're on the ship, just doing bites and, 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 and tail whips and everything, just trying to do damage to the boat. Um, I, I had issues or had more problems with some other fights than the final one, but the the addition of the of the like the underwater electric fences just kind of came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. really. So that was like just a new wrinkle of what the hell is this? Oh, they hurt me. Okay, cool. I think I have to do something here. Um, so what you said about the game kind of just like has has features or functions that come up that you don't know about that's how i felt about the the electric fields yeah yeah i only knew that like you had to disable those by like reading something on a on an online site like here's how you deal with the the electric boats and i was like what okay that's weird but um yeah I, i kind of had to just assume that like oh you know uh the boat's got to be damaged somehow so i'm just gonna go after it and then after i've I've done enough damage or taken enough damage. I got to get out of here and and go heal up. Eventually the boat gets disabled and he ends up blowing up the boat that he assumes that like, he's going to blow up the shark with it because the shark is on the boat. What like trying to eat him while he blows it up and then the credits roll and that's just the end. And it's kind of like, well, that's it. Um, And then, you know, the, the game like, you know, has the shark swimming away from the, the burning wreckage and you get to go clean up the rest of the the area. But it's just kind of like it, it ends with just a, a sudden fight and then that's it. There's no real uh, huge fanfare to the end of the game, which I thought was like, well, OK, like, <laughs> I guess that's the end of Maneater the show, too. That That's like one of Parnell's like funny lines where he's like, they've removed me from the show for showing actual deaths. So now it's a <laughs> podcast. Did either of you play the DLC? Yes. So I, uh, I I saw like, okay, well, you know, this is on PS Plus right now. So I'm going to jump in and also get Truth Quest, which is the DLC. And after the end of the game, 
uh, that's when Truth Quest becomes available. Chris Parnell's voiceovers as Trip Westhaven change over to a more conspiracy theorist theme. And it's not as funny. It's not a smart, funny kind of thing. It is a very kind of one note sense of humor uh, line of jokes. But he has, he has a bit. You kind of get a little feel for like the conspiracy theorist stuff during the main game. Um, but it definitely seems like the Truth Quest stuff was just straight up crazy. You know, crazy town. Like <laughs> yeah. something happened. You know, he's. You can almost. You can almost hear the tinfoil hat on his head as he's talking. Yeah. Yeah. They, they turn him from a from a Shark Week guy to Alex Jones. Precisely. Much. Yeah. 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 Truth Quest starts out with like adding some new stuff to find across like uh, the Gulf, and then you end up going to another area called Plover Island, and Plover Island feels about as dense like it feels about as dense as the gulf area but it is probably i'd say two or three times as big and in total like for anyone wondering like if you want to get truth quest it is in total i think has about uh as much content as the base man-eater game does as well what it does add is not as good i think but it still adds some some stuff to it that is interesting especially in the plover island area because there are five more bounty hunters that start coming after you and they each have their own like signature vehicle which then gets added to the general uh hunter uh arsenal once you you take them down and that's where i figured out like oh you can grab stuff to throw it back at the vehicle so like you can grab a torpedo and throw it at the helicopter that is shooting at you. And that felt awesome. But there's also monster creatures coming after you as well. And those are some of the harder fights in the game. So if you felt like the Orca fight was really hard, some of these Apex Predator fights are going to be ridiculous. Um, but if you've got your your rhythm of fighting down, you can, you know, you can take them down just as easily. And then... Yeah, the, also... Apex, the Apex Predators and... and the truth quest stuff also have like the, uh, the mutations yeah. and stuff that definitely make them harder. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like the, the electric, uh, great whites, um, those are, are irritating to fight because if they bite you, uh, you get stunned and you can't like run away. You can't bite back. It's, it's really annoying. See now that's, that's stuff I wish would have been in the main game. I think that would have re- re- cause the main game can be kind of a little repetitive, especially as you get to the middle sections and having apex predators have mutations or having, like you said, helicopters. I was like, what? (laughs) You know, I never saw anything besides like fan boats and a couple of ships, like, like having that level of like different enemies and stuff, I think would have made the base game, like really excellent. Yeah. There are uh, like speed boats that, that start getting involved in the fight and, uh, they they start shooting torpedoes at you, and you have to uh, stun the torpedo and then bite it and throw it back at these things. Uh, and then there's there's like an armored stealth boat at one point. So it is it gets even more and more ridiculous. There's also uh, these these races that you can participate in where you have to fly through rings uh, underwater and above water and sometimes they are located on land and you just have to like hop up on land and then hop your way to a ring. And then, you know, before you suffocate, jump back in the water and keep going. 
some of those were, were actually a really good challenge, but also frustrating because I could never quite get the knack of accurately jumping out of the water into the air and through a specific ring. You definitely feel like a fish out of water when yeah. you're a fish out of water, you know? What I mean? <laughs> yeah. The, the one thing in Truth Quest that I did not like until I learned how to do it is there are like there are the 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 on land kind of bases that you have to destroy and those are some of like the collectibles like going through and destroying the the like the tower yeah i can't remember exactly what it was called um and i got so frustrated because i was like oh i can jump on land and maybe i can go and attack it but then while you're doing that you've got the helicopters and everything else kind of kind of shooting at you and while you're on land you can't really heal and it took me probably a good, you know, I went through a couple towers in probably a good three to four hours before I remembered that, yes, I can throw things. And if I do it a certain way, I can grab something from the water and then kind of slow time to aim where I'm going to throw it at. And then once I figured that out, it was, you know, easy. But that was one of those things where the game doesn't tell you that you can do it. It just kind of assumes that you know what you're doing. And I didn't. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that actually taught me that I could throw things. So had I had I known that you could throw torpedoes, the final fight against Skilly Pete would have been a lot easier. But uh, those towers were what taught me like, oh, you can grab the grenades that they're throwing at you in the water and throw them at the tower because the game directly tells you to do that. And then they stopped throwing grenades at me. So I got frustrated. And I ended up grabbing a couple of the sailors and just throwing the sailor at the tower and destroying it that way. Because, you know, anything's going to damage the tower. You could just throw a body at it, whatever. Um, you got to use what you got, you know. <laughs> so then there's you go through Truth Quest like any other neighborhood in this city and finish off all its objectives. You fight like the electric uh, great white shark, a shadow orca whale, which was really annoying. And then a bone sperm whale, which, you know, they all have the same ability Oof. sets that you do, but they are total bruisers. And I think the, the bone sperm whale also has radioactive abilities, too. So if you get near it, you start to take damage. And this is where the fourth ability set really comes in handy that comes with Truth Quest. It is the radioactive set uh, that feels super powerful against everything especially boats and hunters but you're immune to radioactive poisoning and you get uh, uh like a a radiation laser that as your your like main ability that you can shoot at anything and it just again overpowers your shark which is great you fight these apex predators and then the final boss of this is a secret project that the government has been working on and the the island itself is loaded with all of those government conspiracy objects, like there's planes that have been equipped with chemicals for chemtrails. There's uh, fans that are, are like aimed at the sky to control the weather. Uh, there's there's all this ridiculous stuff. And then there is a pen where they have this creature they have been uh, engineering into a weapon for years. And I thought to myself, this is it. This is the Megalodon we're going to fight. But no, it's another missed opportunity for the game. Instead, Giant squid? <laughs> no, it was a Mosasaurus, which is uh, the water dinosaur thing from Jurassic World. 
you know, it looks like um, an alligator with sea turtle fins, and and it's huge. It did they did they like clone one? Is that is that the way that they explain it? I don't think they ever really say. It's just there. They have it, and it's, yeah, it's just like a. Yeah. It's an experiment. It turns out that everything that that um, Chris Parnell's character is talking about is true, which is <laughs> kind of funny. It is funny, but it also makes it even more annoying because I'm thinking to myself, "Damn it, you're right, and you're just yeah. you're, you're one right of the about crazies. everything." <laughs> this is why Susan left you. <laughs> it breaks out of the pen, and you have to chase it around the island, and you don't get to see it. You just follow its radioactive trail, and then you have to follow that trail back to the mainland and follow it around the Gulf area, and eventually you get to fight it in the Gulf. And this felt like a more proper final boss fight. This was really hard. It was against something that was a lot bigger than you, and it felt pretty epic. Robert, what did you think of it? This fight was crazy yeah um definitely took all of all of my shark souls training to beat (laughs) this fight um did you use the radioactive set yeah i believe i used yeah the atomic set is i think what it's called i've I've actually got the game pulled up on my tv here oh yeah um and yeah it's all it's all the atomic set atomic head atomic teeth and yeah i remember i used it honestly i don't even think i used like the beam Mm -hmm. attack I mostly was using it to kind of be able to dodge in and out of the way, but I believe I did use the, 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 the shadow teeth just to get health because where you're fighting this area or where you're fighting the monster, it's kind of tarped off. Yeah. But there's still other, other enemies or other animals that are in there, mostly like Orca whales that can still attack you during the fight. So when you start the fight, you're kind of in an arena almost. So being able to kind of do some damage once again, run away, find some things to eat to kind of get your, your health back up. Um, and I, I remember the fight took probably a good 15, 20 minutes to, to finally kill it. And I was just, I was mashing the, the controller the entire time, jumping out of the water, dodging attacks, jumping in the air and, and just kind of going as far as I could um, getting out of the way. Yeah. This fight was very intense, but it was very rewarding once you beat it and you you finished everything it was a great fight yeah yeah and like you i i was like swimming away trying to find something to eat so i could get my health back up every once in a while there would be something that i could chase after to eat only to realize that it was on the other side of the net that was keeping me in and so i'd be like shit i gotta go find something else uh but by this point i did have the regenerative health so that helped me a little bit the really frustrating part was when he starts calling in reinforcements and it's not just anything that he's calling in. He starts bringing in those apex predators from Plover Island that you had to fight earlier. So now you've got a bone sperm whale involved in the fight and a shadow orca chasing you. And I could not use that, that atomic beam fast enough. And I, I kept telling myself, Oh, like the atomic beam could probably kill all this stuff in like one or two shots. Don't do that. Just shoot it at the Mosasaurus and take him down. The oh, it was called the Leviathan. Keep shooting at the Leviathan. Ignore all the other stuff. That's a distraction. Just go for it. And I think I plugged him like 
four or five times with that beam and every time it felt really good but i was so worried that uh like a sperm whale is going to come from the side and hit me and it did a couple of times but uh it, it was so hard and it was it felt so good to finally take him down yeah i remember that fight did take me a couple tries yeah as someone who's you know just trying out man eater for the first time i felt like truth quest adding on to it like if you really really loved the gameplay of man eater go ahead and check out truth quest but i wouldn't recommend it for someone who's just kind of like ah, i don't know like it was okay i i finished it just to finish the game um but i i had a ton of fun with it uh at like i had a ton of fun with the whole game and i felt like truth quest was you know a decent addition to it and i think that if you're trying to sell your dlc having a game on ps plus is a great reason to do it because it's like oh well i didn't buy the game i might as well just um you know give you guys a little more bucks for for something fun uh but we did touch on how funny this game is in in terms of like the the lines that chris parnell says um i didn't write any of those down but he is really funny the things i did write down and take notes on were the visual gags a lot of landmarks are strewn throughout this game for you to find off the top of your head what are some of your favorite visual gags? We we got to talk about the three seashells. Like if there, <laughs> if there was something I was not prepared for, it was a Demolition Man reference in this game. Like, <laughs> like you know, later you find like a, a pineapple under the sea. I was like, well, that's standard, right? Yeah, yeah. Going in, you knew there was going to be some SpongeBob reference. Yeah. But Demolition Man and the way the 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 Parnell line there is like. At some point in the future, somebody will see this and revolutionize post-bathroom etiquette. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god, what? I I could not believe they got that in there. But I, I think by the time I found the seashells, I had seen a few others. Um, my favorites were the banana stand from Arrested Development is somewhere in the water. Um, There's always money in the banana stand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a Pennywise statue in the sewers which you can't really see uh, um, like you just see his eyes through the cracks of a grate. And then like you can angle the camera a little bit to tell that like, Oh, it's Pennywise. And you can kind of see the rest of his body behind this grate, but you really only get a good look at his eyes. And then there was also the Firefest tents on a small Island. And yes. That one. Yeah. That, that made me laugh so hard. I couldn't believe they went that deep with like current pop culture references. Yeah, I think I think one of my favorite ones that I've found and and one of the things that I loved about these landmarks is that they are the collectibles. Yeah. In the game like they're not just there like if you want 100% the game you're going to see all of them which I think is a great idea just so people don't miss, you know, like just these like these fun little easter eggs. But one of my favorite ones that I found was the giant like kaiju door. Yeah. That's chained up on the bottom of the ocean <laughs> with like the kind of light coming in because it's trying to get open but it can't get open and it's i i when i found that i was like oh shit that's that's cool as hell yeah um it doesn't lead to anything but it, it was just a, it's a really cool visual like the happy gilmore reference yeah of, of, of that stuff when you're on land like the fact that some of them are actually on land and you have to go get them was just just great yeah 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 the, and there was also the the water world trimaran 
like sunk somewhere. There was a recreation of the the key moment from Titanic, where you you've got Leo saying, "I'm king of the world." Um, I missed that one. <laughs> Did you see the the crocodile with the with the clock in it, like from Hook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was I, I think that was one of the first visual gags where I thought like, "Oh, that's clever, huh?" I wonder if they're gonna keep doing this kind of thing, and they do. Yeah, I know there was there was a there's a Rick and Morty reference where you find a sunken UFO and he uh, mentions the planet Gazorpazorp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, um, he plays Jerry, right, Chris Parnell? Yeah, yeah. Any other visual gags that you could think of? I think we've kind of talked about like kind of the the really big ones that I was thinking yeah. of. I I had an audio one. The first time that I laughed at this game was an audio one. It's kind of like an anti-joke, and I had been dying to, cro- to alligators the whole time, so I was like, what is going on with this? But um, it was like a mission to eat turtles, which I don't want to hurt turtles, so I felt a little bad the whole time. But you swim up, and you're eating turtles, and he goes, uh, turtle parties used to be a thing where people would get together, eat turtle soup, and perpetuate slavery. And for some reason, that line just in that moment, just dry and deadpan got me like super hard. Yeah. I, can I just say that I hated biting into the turtles because the sounds in this game are oh, just yeah. so visceral that when you when you bite into it, like the big turtle, you just hear the crunch of the shell. And I was like, I hate this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, that, that was part of why a little bit. that was part of why I didn't get the bone armor fully upgraded is that <laughs> the main resource for that is to the eating the turtles. And I was like, I can't. I don't want to do this. I felt not so bad. Doing anything to me. Yeah. I felt so bad crunch. at first. Yeah, like at first, I felt terrible about it. And then, I, I think after like my my fiftieth turtle, I was like, well, I need the minerals. Sorry, buddy. Like, overall, just like how how you feel about the game. Is this something that would you say is, you know, when you're recommending someone to go look for a game on PS Plus, would you say that uh, this is you know, not worth your time or try it if you have PS plus or something like I should have paid money for it. How would you rate that? I I think I would say that it's, it's kind of worth your time. I don't know. I think there's probably a lot of better ways to spend your time, but it was fun and it is funny. I think this game really, if anything, it would, it lays a foundation in a way that I would be excited for them to do like a sequel. Mm-hmm. But like this one, I think doesn't necessarily have enough variety or really great moments to be a hundred percent worth your time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've played this game all the way through um, at least twice. Now that I think about it, I, I remember buying it when it first came out, like the day that it came out, because it was only like a forty dollar game, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool! I could be a shark. That's dope." Um, so I bought it when it first came out on Xbox, got all the achievements. And then when it was set out for like the PS Plus free game of the month, I got it there, got the platinum because I just love the game. And then when Truth Quest came out, I got that DLC and played that. It, you know, also like loved it. I've recommended this game to so many of my friends that that are looking for just something kind of mindless fun because that's that's what this is. It's you're you're a shark. You're eating things. You're eating people. You're you're destroying boats. Like you can jump into it learn a few of the controls and just kind of kind of go nuts so i've i've recommended this for my friends to buy but the fact that it's on ps plus if you've got ps plus and you can play this for free yes like yes unless you're in the middle of playing through the entire persona series like i am but give this game a chance it's super fun you don't have to 
to really think about it. You just can go crazy as a shark and have just have a grand old time and then kill Scaly Pete because he's a piece of shit. Yeah, and and I have I, I do feel uh feel like I'm a little bit closer to you, Robert, with this where it's like you should try this if you have PS Plus because it is it is quite a spectacle. It is it's not um super serious. It's not also uh, a big budget blockbuster game like it's not The Last of Us or Assassin's Creed. It is something that you can spend a week with and just turn your brain off and have fun, laugh at. Um, you know, when when you you know jump out of the water and go after eating some guy on a golf course, other people go running and screaming. It's chaos. And that's what makes it so fun and funny. Uh, also, like Chris Parnell's delivery of a lot of these jokes are great. And uh, that's that's something that is a great way to just like not think about like crazy stuff happening uh, for, for an hour or two. Like it is, it is something that you can really just sit back and, uh, and laugh at and, you know, like those terrible uh, reality show TV shows. It's something that you really don't have to care all that much about. It's just fun. That's it. Um, One of the things that I loved doing in my second playthrough, the first time, you know, I was just kind of going around doing everything. My second playthrough, what I decided to do is just max out my level as soon as possible. Because there are certain points in the story where you can't go further until, you know, like you said, you get to level 20. And then it's like, hey, go fight Scaly Pete. And you do that. And then you can kind of keep going. But on my second playthrough, um, Fawtick Bayou, and I got to level 20. And just uh, an adult shark just eating everything, including all the alligators. And then I'm like, you know what? Let's go ahead and start the game now. So just the entire game, I was completely overpowered and I loved it. The game is really fun. If even if you don't want to continue going through the story, you know, once you get to that, that like kind of adult size shark and you can just kind of go and do whatever you want and just you'd swim around or just eat things and just, you know, zone out and have fun. I would like Chris Parnell to just narrate my life. I think you do a good job. There. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think, I think that's a great, great ask. Let's move on to just the books and more part of our, our show. Is there anything that you're reading, watching, playing right now that you'd like to recommend to anyone listening? Um, I've been, my real comfort game is uh, Tropico 6. Everybody should, I think should play Tropico 6. It's just a fun city builder. That was the thing that was starting to pull me away from this game early on. So I had to focus and not play it, but I'm going to go right back to it because it's an excellent game. Nice, nice. I haven't tried uh, any of the Tropico series, but I, I think I do have one of them on PlayStation Plus, so I could check that out. Uh, Robert, is there anything you'd like to recommend? Well, I've, I've I mentioned it. I think I mentioned it last month too. I have been deep in my Duffy with the Persona series. Just they they added Persona Five to Xbox. I I play Xbox and PlayStation. I know it's a PS game club. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but <laughs> you know. Is the best deal in gaming. Let's be yeah. honest. But right now, I'm just I'm playing through Persona 3 on my second playthrough, trying to get all the achievements to get that done. Once I'm done with that, though, I'm I'm up for recommendations because then I'm just lost in life. Once I'm done with this one. Oh, okay. So okay. if anybody else, uh, maybe I'll check out Tropico Six. 
Okay. Oh, looks like we lost Bert there. And he's coming back on his phone. All right, good. So one thing I did want to touch on as far as recommendations go was because we played Maneater, I felt like I, I really wanted to go back and start watching some shark movies again. So I went to my local library and just got a whole list of them. And going going off of that list, my recommendations are like Jaws 1 and 2, both great shark movies. They're classics. But you, you can stop there uh, as far as the Jaws series go. I didn't really like 2 and 3, <laughs> uh, three and 4. So, um, you know, um, another great one was Deep Blue Sea that I watched. Uh, another classic, uh, just great monster movie overall. And it is stacked with like uh, actors from the nineties that I can't stop uh, watching and loving. There's uh, Thomas Jane, Sam Jackson, Michael Rappaport, LL Cool J is in it. Uh, Selen Sarsgaard, who um, you'd recognize from the Avengers movies. Uh, there's uh, Jacqueline McKenzie and um, let's see one more uh, Saffron Burroughs who I've seen in a couple of other uh, sci-fi movies. And then uh, there's, all of those sci-fi channel original movies, uh, Sharknado, Sharktopus, Mega Shark, they all feel like they have the same tone of the game, Maneater, but I feel like the, the comedy level in Maneater is just better. So I, it, it, if you want to find something to watch with your friends that is bad so you can make fun of it while you're watching it, the, the sci-fi channel movies are fine. And Sharknado, Sharktopus, and Mega Shark, those are those are all decent ones. Uh, but for one that I, I think is a lot more fun to just watch, but is still on that level of ridiculousness, is the Meg uh, that came out a couple of years ago. And we, re my wife and I, rewatched that one, and still it it holds up so well. It's so much fun to watch. It stars Jason Statham, uh, Ruby Rose, and um let me pull up a list as, as well because there are a few others that i recognized in in the movie uh rain wilson's in it cliff curtis who is fantastic in any everything i've seen that he's in uh and like i i loved that movie for for what it was as far as a, a monster movie goes then um another great one is the shallows where blake lively is uh, a surfer on an abandoned beach and she gets trapped by a shark on like on an, a rock like island and uh, she just like has to find a way to survive for a couple of days while this shark is stalking her uh, i i loved that uh bert do you have any shark recommendation movies so i'm not as um i'm not as big of a fan of shark movies but i got a couple of for you yeah so the f first one fate it's a it's a shark movie it's from the late aughts I believe. Um, and so the whole point of that is that there's a tsunami and it washes a shark into a supermarket. <laughs> and everybody's like on top of the shelves and the shark's going around and killing them. And, you know, it's like a shark movie centered in a supermarket. The the CG, terrible by modern standards, but it the movie's okay. All right. All right. Bait. That one. Okay. And thinking and thinking about shark movies, I'm going to take it in a little bit of a different direction and talk about uh, movies that are like shark movies but are not about sharks. So, 1977, the classic 
uh, we're going to remake Jaws, but we're going to remake it with an orca whale instead. Oh. Orca, starring Richard Harris. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Sort of based on a true story, because there's been stories of orcas, like, hunting down people who kill their babies and stuff. Like, they remember, and they will mess you up. My final one, I think, actually catches the tone of Maneater probably more than any of the other movies that I talked about. It's a land shark in Tremors. The uh-huh. first one, Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward. Classic. The greatest on-screen Bert that exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love that movie. Oh, now, now you're making me think about it, and I need to go watch that one again. Uh, yeah. sort, sort of creature-related that uh, made me think, that, that Man-Eater made me think of, was the movie Crawl. Is that the is that the one where it's like a hurricane and there's like alligators in the basement? Yeah, yeah. So it it was Crawl starring uh, Kayla Scaldario and Barry Pepper, and uh, that one totally watchable, uh, great monster movie. Um, very much like it it has the same tone as like it's trying to be kind of like Jaws but with alligators instead, and it is it is a lot of fun. Um, some some really cool oh, yeah. like alligator moments. And you know, that arguably might be the best movie of all the recommendations. Oh, really? <laughs> like, yeah. I really yeah. And, and then, like, you know, if you're really jonesing for an alligator movie, you know, check out Lake Placid also. One other thing, uh, I, I happened to look on Hulu and there is a man eater movie on there. I threw that on for like, what, 10 minutes and I could not get through the terrible dialogue and turned it off and then immediately just put on the shallows after that because i had this whole stack of movies ready to go you know those those are my recommendations jaws one and two uh deep blue sea the shallows uh the meg and then you've got bait that's a a great storyline i i have to check that out and then um you know tremors not a those are land sharks i love it i love it next month we are going to be talking about everspace and that is going to be our march game for the ps plus game club uh, and I, I highly recommend you check that one out. I've uh, jumped into that, and I've, I've been really enjoying it. It's a, another cool space fighter. My wife asked, you know, what are we going to be playing for the next month? I said, Everspace. And she said, another space game? Look, it's a different kind of space. Uh, we, we did Observation last month. Everspace uh, is going to be in March. It's a different kind of space. There's a lot of shooting, a lot of uh, maneuvering of a spaceship. It is a lot more fast-paced in action. Um, you know, highly recommend checking that one out. Uh, but uh, before we go, Robert, uh, you know, where can people find you on social media? Um, I'm on. I mean, I'm on Twitter. That's pretty much all I do okay. um, when it comes to social media. What, what, I don't even know my Twitter thing. Mister underscore Hawks H O X on Twitter. Uh, if you want to hear about wrestling and soccer okay. pretty much all i tweet about and and bert uh where can people find you uh per, well i'm also on twitter uh um at what a sandwich 21 um i pretty much just talk about local denver politics and you know what we can do to make the world slightly better but that's it yeah i like the sound of that and uh, way more wholesome than my twitter <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter, Kevin Garaventa. I am at the Portland Kevin on Twitter. Uh, but uh, thank you, Robert, and thank you, Bert, for for joining us to talk about Maneater. Kevin, I want to thank you for this jawsome experience. <laughs> but um. Psh-
you guys get it? Because it's like it's like the word awesome, but then I put. Do you get it? Yeah. Do you guys get it? Okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure you guys get it. I think I got it. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. thank you Good. Good. to all of you for listening. Uh, next month, again, we are talking about Everspace, a roguelite space fighter where every stage is randomly generated. And if you have the chance, please try it yourself and then hear what we have to say about it. We'll be sharing our randomly generated war stories from that game on the next episode. And you too can share your own thoughts on Everspace by writing in to PSPlusGameClub at gmail.com. But until then, remember to have fun playing around and have a good day.